it felt a whole 180 from when I was out there. We got credentialed for the first time um, back in September of last year. And going through those losses, guys kind of just heads down, kind of, you know, going through the motions. That's not the case this year. I mean, these guys are going at it. And I think guys are also fighting for playing playing time. And that's nice to see guys wanting to get in there and get as many reps as possible. You see a lot of the wide receivers going at it nonstop with the defensive backs. Renardo Green having a fantastic practice on Tuesday. Just continue to see guys going at as Azare Thomas also coming away with an interception this morning. You're seeing guys continue to to drive in energy. I love it. I, I thought they had a great week of practice for a bye week, and now they get to go in and rest. Everything that you want to see, and like Mike Norvell said, these guys are working. You know, that's not that's not been the problem. That's not been the problem this season. These guys are working their tails off. They're wearing themselves out, but they're coming out the next day and going at it with one another. I, I just really liked the energy I saw this week. These guys, after an zero and three stretch of losing could literally put their heads down and just go through the motion and, and head into this rest of the season. But no, you know, they're, they're on a mission and they're getting ready for next week's opponent with Georgia tech. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You listening to hear the spear presented by no game day. Go those. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, AKA he dub in the house. So we listening to hear the spear presented by no game day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here on a wonderful Wednesday evening as Florida State is heading into its bye week. After Florida State fell to number four Clemson in Tallahassee this past Saturday night, Florida State currently on an 0 and three losing streak, a tough one here. But we'll go over a few things, some quick hitters, and get you ready for the latter half of the season. With me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor in chief at NoGameDay.com. D. Lou, how are we doing? How are we feeling after a couple chilly practices to start off in the middle of October? Feeling pretty good. You got to enjoy the weather that we've got in Tallahassee right now. I'd much prefer the 40s and 50s and the wind rather than the 90s and 100s that we were dealing with a couple months ago when we were out there. So when you put it in hindsight like that, today was very enjoyable. And, you know, just throughout this week, having a little bit more downtime, just like FSU, the players a little bit, getting some time off. We got to recharge the batteries a little bit for these final five games and, you know, hopefully a bowl game as well. So, just looking forward to getting after it. Well, after a couple of days, Thursday and Friday, I ain't, I ain't really doing nothing, but maybe Saturday we'll start talking about next week. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe so a good, nice relax relaxation. I know the media will enjoy this. We'll get to the Georgia tech kickoff time announcement. That one's at noon. Mm. We're, we're, we're feeling we're, we're trying to recover here. It's been some late nights there leaving Doak uh, around 1 a.m. Isn't the 
greatest time ever of the year. But you know what? That's just what the case is whenever you're a big-time brand like Florida State football. So like Coach Atkins said, it's a bit easier to recruit when you're on national television all the time So and being seen by all these kids. So it's been a rough stretch, but it's going to be a nice, enjoyable bye week definitely for us. But more importantly, a lot of these guys that are recovering, which we'll talk about when we go through practice observations this week, We'll go over a few things. We're not going to keep you guys on here for too long, but we're going to go give our last thoughts on Florida State versus Clemson. We'll talk this upcoming Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech matchup, just a few things there, which we'll be having next week in Doak. We'll talk a little bit of recruiting after big recruiting weekend. We have practice observations. We'll talk Fabian Lovett. We will talk Winston Wright Jr. tonight on the show. And then we'll go through some NFL Knowles, some big-time Knowles, some big-time former Knowles making some Big time plays and shout out to Dustin Hopkins. I can't wait to talk about that in just a few. And then we're going to go through and give our midway season report cards, offense, defense, and we'll go through each position group. So won't keep you guys on here for too long, but want to get you guys some content at least. Uh, you know, Austin isn't with us this evening. We had to let him go. I'm just kidding. No, he's just sick, not feeling too well. We let him go right Please. before the basketball season. Let him go right before basketball season began. No, he's not feeling too well. So He's going to get some rest, and me and D. Lou will hold things down this evening. As always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on one of those platforms right now, definitely if you're on YouTube, feel free to hit that like button. If you're on iTunes, subscribe, so then you be notified every time we release a new episode. Let's jump into things. You and I, D. Lou, let's run it up. Last thoughts on this Clemson game. Um, you know, I, I feel like going back and watching some of the game and then also hearing from all three corners, which we got to listen to after practice. It just feels like there were some opportunities missed. And I feel like Derek McLendon said it perfectly. A lot of like execution errors. You know, there was some opportunities big time. I think one that stands out to me primarily is Florida state and Adam Fuller having that play go against DJ and have that blitz off the side where, that ended up being an easy six points wide open wide receiver down the field. Akeem Dent isn't in coverage there and they're able to put up some points. There's that and a few others that you can think of, but you know, just these little things that ended up hurting Florida state in that Clemson game. I think overall though, this team continues to fight. It's a big difference in what we've seen the last couple of seasons, which is great to see. That's a really nice improvement in what Mike Norvell has been able to do in that locker room and change things around a couple of years ago. And we've seen it with the scores, 50 burgers, on Florida State and guys giving up and, and just wanted to be done in the third and fourth quarter. That's not the case anymore. This team will continue to fight. You got a quarterback that will continue to try to get down the field and score. But in the end all be all, you got to finish and finish games and come out with a win. And it's not happening the last three weeks. This team, you know, they're they're so close. And we talked about it Saturday post game. 18 points is what separated Florida State and these three losses to Three of the very best teams in the ACC, um, three teams who are all still ranked at this point of the season. So this is some good competition that Florida State has faced, and you know they've just killed themselves in the moment. I know everyone's talked about the middle eight probably for the last 72 hours, but I mean, really, that's the swing that flipped the game. Um, 17 points for Clemson and basically just over two minutes of game time at the end of the first half, and into the third quarter, which is where you saw a really uncharacteristic mistake from Florida State's kickoff team. Mike Norvell said it. That's the unit that he's been the most happy with throughout this entire season. Coach JP said today, 
you know, that's the longest kickoff return that Florida State's given up the entire season right there to Will Shipley. Credit to Kalen Deloach for chasing him down, or that very well could have been a touchdown on, on the opening play of the second half. And we got a, we got the chance to talk with Adam Fuller for a little bit, and he talked about the following play where Clemson, um, they, they ran the trick play. DJ threw it. Florida State, they just got caught looking in the backfield and, you know, Right after you make a big splash play like that on special teams, perfect time to go for something like that. And we saw Florida State pull off the same thing in, in the LSU game. So credit to Clemson for having a really good game plan. But when you look at it, Florida State shot themselves in the foot time and time again. And it wasn't penalties this time. It was just situational mistakes at, at the very worst time. And like you said, the the corner blitz on the second defensive drive of the game. I mean, it was it was perfect time. And just could not get home and make that tackle. If you make the sack, you're getting another punt. Maybe the offense goes up 14 to nothing. I know they were coming off that three and out, but so close to beating Clemson. And it's the same thing as last year. But when you look at the bigger picture, and I know it's frustrating to hear it, but Florida State, they are getting so close. You know, this this could have gone either way in Death Valley last year. They fought back to make it a close game in Tallahassee on Saturday night. Think about where things were the last couple of years before this, you know, 2018 Clemson versus FSU. There's been definite progress in this rivalry over the last couple of years. And Florida State, they're just right there. They're just almost, almost there. I, I, I've been, I've really liked the improvement of just the team's heart. That's great. We've seen guys really trying to battle and get through these games. And I mean, you've got Jared verse who will go down and he comes back up and he's going back out to play. And you see now Jordan Travis try to connect and he does with Cameron McDonald down the field, that last drive, he connects with Johnny Wilson and, and is targeting a lot of guys. And he ends up picking up with Kentron Portier. This team is, is putting them, putting themselves in chances to win. I think it really hurts going back to that NC state game. Like, dang, you know, you wanted to win at least one out of three, you had a potential, maybe two out of three, but just one out of three. But you just go and three, and that just that just stings. I think too, like you said, that Will Shipley sixty nine yard return, man. I mean, that that hurt. And they I mean, about had him. The crazy thing is, they about had him inside the twenty, and he yeah, missed out of there. And next thing you know, it's about to be a touchdown. So that, just a, it was so un. Yeah, and it's so unlike Florida State. Like Mike Norville said, they, they've done a great job in that. And Adam Fuller said the same thing on defense. They've done a great job of stopping those explosive plays this season. But just out of nowhere, a lot of inconsistency there. And it just wasn't like themselves. And this team could have given up after that 69-yard return. You know, Florida State, you know, is able still to – I guess you still allow a touchdown, so it's not so bueno. But you're still trying to get back into that game. But Florida State hurts themselves right off the bat to start off that second half, and, and that just stings. What I will say, at least a positive, and to go to the positive side of things, I was in shock. We talked about in the press box, like, wow, okay. You know, Coach Atkins and what they were able to do on the run with Mike Norvell in that, in that run game, we talked very highly of Clemson's front seven, as anybody should, 6.6 yards per carry. Not a lot of teams in the country can do that against Clemson. And from what we've seen from Florida State's offensive line there, too, there was inconsistencies, yes, but for what they were able to do on the, on the, on the run game, allowing Trey Benson to get out as many yards as he did, and then also you look at Lawrence Toafili, who I thought has seen a big improvement in his powerful running. It's been nice to see him. Jordan Travis just not so far below him too in rushing yards. So 
a, a nice run game that Florida State. I don't think, I don't think we were expecting to see so heavy of. Ended up being a, an early success for the Florida State Seminoles against Dabo Sweeney's defense. I I think you really got to give credit to Florida State's offense. You know, not only the offensive line, but also the running back stepping up with without Treshawn Ward out there, and then also the way that this game was schemed by the Florida State coaching staff. You know, at certain points, they really had that Clemson defense caught off guard. Um, the, you know, the first offensive drive of the game is a perfect example of it. Florida State went right down using a mix of screens and runs, and Clemson just had no idea how to stop it. They took advantage of their aggressiveness and, bang, turned it into points. And the rushing game, I mean, man, what can you say? Because we Clemson, second-best rushing defense in the country – entering the game. I believe it was 62.7 yards a game. I don't know. Either way, it was under 65 yards a game, 2.1 yards a carry. It only allowed two rushing touchdowns all year. And then very early in the second quarter, Florida State already had two rushing touchdowns in the game. You know, they had doubled that total that Clemson had entering the night. I thought they did an extremely good job on the ground. And Trey Benson a couple times, look, he was going to take off, and then he ended up falling down after oh, that grass, know, a 20, 20, 25-yard run. And going back to him, you know, he wasn't fully healthy entering this game. Mike Norvell said he's been kind of dealing with some stuff, only practiced once leading up to the game against Clemson. So maybe that had a little something to do with him slipping a couple times. But I was very impressed with what the running game was able to do because that was what we talked about coming into this. Florida State's running attack against Clemson's rushing defense, the two very best parts of, of each team. And Florida State, they won that game. I'm on the ground. I think coming out of it, if you would have said Florida State rushed for 206 yards, they scored twice, and they averaged 6.5 yards a carry, you'd be like, well, Florida State won that football game. And, again, you know, those little mistakes are are what cost Florida State in the end. But on the stat sheet, it's like, man, how did FSU not win this one? And I'm about to pull up the stat sheet right now. We talked about it going into this game against Clemson. Florida State was going to have to play discipline in order to stay – survived this game to stay in it for it to be competitive going to the fourth quarter they were able to do that um and it was a big improvement from the last last streak of games that they had had only three penalties for 17 yards at clemson eight for 72 uh, a nice improvement there for florida state but like you said look at the stat sheet we were looking at it after the game uh, during mike norvell's press conference they'll have it right above there for the media to see and we were all talking there how how, how does florida state with all of these numbers end up being the loser in it. It's those explosive plays that Florida state and and Adam Fuller didn't, weren't used to giving up this season. And when you give a chance like this to DJ, who's, you know, improving as a quarterback and, you know, you've got Dabo Sweeney too, as the head head coach and play caller, there's going to be some lethal strikes and they were able to take advantage of it against Florida state's defense, which hasn't been the easiest to do for offenses against Florida State this year it's wild yeah I mean just look at the situational third down nine out of 17 fourth down one out of one and turnovers obviously zero to one that was pretty much what did it Florida State pretty comparative on third down with Clemson but then fourth down missed a couple times a really crucial one down there at the goal line in the fourth quarter you know you, you score that touchdown it's a completely different ball game there at the end and yeah you know, playing one of the very best teams in the country, you you can't slip up at all. And Florida State, just a couple uh, of tiny mistakes, only lose the turnover battle by one. And 
you guys see the the yardage differential here. Outgained Clemson by 90. I mean, that's it's kind of ridiculous. And lose this ball game. And I mean, that's just the story of it. Clemson top five team. They don't beat themselves. They they did have some penalties in this game, but typically a very clean football team. You know, don't turn the football over. Take advantage of things in the red zone and on defense and on special teams like we saw. That was the story of it. Yep. Look at Trey Benson here, 69 yards. Lawrence Tough Philly, not far at all behind him, 68. And Jordan Travis, 64. Now Jordan Travis in the last two weeks, getting close to that 200-yard mark and rushing. You know, and I like that. I kind of got tired of the whole we've got to keep pressing that Jordan Travis is a passer whole thing. We, we get it. We got it. And I also think almost at the first part of that season, Florida State was, was really pressing that for JT to have to throw the ball. And I think it's also not only just from coaches, but also Jordan Travis in his own mind saying, I've got to keep looking downfield. I got to keep looking downfield when you got a first down, man, only four or five yards ahead of you. When, when, when you're rolling out, that's the advantage of rolling out. You can go grab those first downs. And I think that's something that hindered Florida State in these last three games where Jordan Travis just take the yardage ahead of you. And you go back to the NC State game, too. I know you're one to take that shot to Micah Pittman, but you don't have to do that so quickly. You have a chance to get closer downfield and get a first down. And I think there's just been some mental mistakes by Jordan Travis. And we've seen definitely an improved quarterback from last year. But just these simple mistakes, it costs you when you're playing good teams, ranked teams. It just doesn't help you get away with wins and finish games, just exactly what Mike Norvell has preached the last three weeks, finish these games. Uh, just just the little things, man. I'm, I'm just tired of the whole he, he's got to throw. And he does keep his eyes on me. And there's sometimes where I'm also seeing – and I, I'm having flashbacks of Jameis when he played hero ball. I'm throwing balls up for no reason. You know, just trying to get things down the field when, man, you do not need to do that. Just take take the incompletion. Don't put it don't put a takeaway at risk and have an interception that would hurt your team a ton. Clemson almost had an interception from Jordan Travis just tossing the ball up for no reason. That's something I hope Coach Tokars and Mike Norvell can work with him on, because there's no reason to do some of those some of those shots down the field whenever you're you're in mid hit getting tackled and just throwing it up. There, there's no reason to do that. Jameis did that. Jameis is a whole different athlete, obviously, but that also hurt Florida State and put them in tough situations in 2014 quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I want to continue to see the rushing from Jordan Travis. That's that's a He is a dual-threat quarterback, and I, I feel like it was so much that we had to keep on saying he's got to pass, he's got to be a better passer. We've seen the improvement there, but still – Florida State's offense should utilize his legs. He is one of the most electric players in college football when he has the hand in his ball and he's running downfield. Yeah, and there was a tough throw that he made over the middle to I think it was Cam or Marquise, and either way it was to one of the tight ends. It almost got intercepted by a linebacker, bounced right off his hands, and it, it might have been a pick six if he was able to pull it in. So, yeah, we've definitely seen some more mistakes from Jordan Travis during this losing streak than – during the four game winning streak. And, you know, we talk so much about his growth over the off season and in the fall, and we really have seen it on the field. And I think now it's just, can he hone it in a little bit more consistently when he's playing against these elite teams? Because, you know, he had some really good games against LSU and was doing pretty well against Louisville before he went out, came out, had a career high against Boston college. Um, He's proved that he can do it against the average teams but can he step up his game against these elite teams? And he had a pretty good game against Wake Forest, but 
turned it over a couple of times. And, you know, same thing against NC State. Had a decent performance in the first half, but then that second half, the offense kind of gets out of a rhythm and they're not able to do very much. Had a turnover at the end, and you see it on Saturday against Clemson. He had some good plays against the Tigers, but that throw on fourth down probably should have either scrambled it or, or checked it down and said it's deflected by the defensive back. You've got some incompletions down there at the goal line in the fourth quarter where you turn it over on downs again. So you're seeing the improvement from Jordan Travis, but just – and it's the same thing with the entire team, and Norvell has said it all season. Can you put together a consistent four quarters? And we're going to see that over the next five games because Florida State, they've gotten through the meat of their schedule, and now they're going back to – we'll see – what Syracuse is looking like after they play Mm -hmm. Clemson this weekend. But I don't really see a team that's very good on the schedule the rest of the year. It looks like a bunch of average competition, and it wouldn't surprise me if Florida State's favored in at least four of its final five regular season games. There's a path to nine and three, eight and four, seven and five. Everything that we kind of thought was on the table in the preseason, Florida State could accomplish, accomplish it and even more, despite these tough losses that they've suffered the last three games. Mm-hmm. And if Florida State can play four quarter, that's the big thing, you know. And the in the middle of this game, they just couldn't find anything. And then, really, after that first drive on offense, we talked about it. We saw Florida State. We were talking about in the press box, you know, great start. FSU is able to do what they do on offense. Can they continue that though? Can they continue that rhythm and that momentum? And that, that just wasn't the case. And we've seen that throughout the rest of the season, man, if you could just, if a game just could be in the first half of, a, of the first quarter, Mike Bell's won a national championship. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but he, he's got, he, he's just a phenomenal play, uh, play caller when it comes to that first drive. The first scripted drive is it's, usually beautiful. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's so much fun to watch. I've already got the touchdown graphic ready to go. But after that, things get stale. There's got to be a change there. So we'll see if Florida State, uh, can get back into a groove and like Tom saying here on on Facebook, hopefully that offense can can keep a good rhythm going because uh, they come out hot, but then things slow down. So and it's we'll key, end up seeing it's key for those offensive tackles to just continue to step up their play. You know, I don't know if Robert Scott or Jason Turnatine are a hundred percent right now, but and they were going up against a very good Clemson defense. You know, we got to put that out there. Clemson had their top five defensive linemen for the first time all year. But can you really even blame Jordan Travis's fumble on, on Jordan Travis? Robert Scott got whooped off the edge. Travis hit on the blind side before he could even figure out what was coming. And, yeah, he fumbled. Clemson was able to recover. And I forget if it was, if it was a touchdown. Yeah, it was a touchdown um, right there at the end of the first half. But can you really put that on Jordan Travis? They're As good as the running game was, I thought there were some breakdowns in the passing game. And it's happened a little bit even against Wake Forest, who doesn't have the best defense in the country, having against Mm -hmm. NC State as well, who is up there with Clemson. But we've seen some breakdowns that weren't really there over the first couple of games for that offensive line in the passing game. And I think it has Jordan Travis a little bit of happy feet at this point because he's taken some hits. You know, he took that really tough hit against Louisville where that bothered him for a couple of weeks. So I could see with how much pressure that he's had on him lately why he's forcing a little bit. He seems more antsy than what we saw against LSU. Definitely. Like watching the LSU game, we were talking about in the press box. Like, damn him. He's just chilling. Under I mean, control. Relaxed. 
I mean, smooth. I mean, he was the manager on the field of that entire game, both against, you know, on, on the field. I mean, he just looked smooth and it was easy to him. And I'm sure he's a little antsy after that. That was a f- extremely physical game. We all know about the injuries that came out of that Louisville game. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. There was a lot of guys, a lot of recruits in attendance for this game, D. Lou. I know you got a couple shots of them rolling in. This was heavily packed with some rich talent. Obviously, the big star coming in with Hakeem Williams, current Florida State wide receiver commit. Seemed like he's doing – he's putting his recruiting cap on right now for the Florida State coaching staff, which is cool to see. Well, what's kind of the vibe after that game – uh, going into it, uh, seemed like a pretty highly energized doke inside there. It's hard for us to hear through those glass doors, but it was rocking for a good while. What was the vibe and just kind of the reaction from the recruits afterwards? Recruits see it a little bit differently than fans. It's not kind of end-all, be-all, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they lost, so it was a terrible visit. Um, I feel like they're – as crazy as it is, you know, these 15, 16, 17-year-olds – they're, they're a lot more level-headed than fans at some points. And, you know, it's tough to get a bunch of reactions after a loss. It seems kind of awkward to reach out to guys and be like, hey, what would you think about Florida State's loss? I know you were there. But from what I heard, people were very impressed, mostly with how this team fought. And, of course, the energy at kickoff was something that had recruits buzzing. Um, Florida State got down. But then to see them fight back in that fourth quarter, and we saw Hakeem post about it on social media. He said that he basically can – rock with a team that loses if as long as they're going to fight hard like Florida State did on Saturday night and that's just the kind of things recruits wants to see we talked about it coming into this season the progress on the field and even though Florida State wasn't able to win one of these three games against ranked competition they were right there in the end of all these football games and I think they showed recruits that they're just a couple pieces away from being right there at the top of the conference and competing once again for these top tier bowl games. I mean, Mike Norvell has this program as close as it has been in quite some time, but yeah, going to recruits. I know a lot of people are freaking out over the Zachariah Owens thing, just a very weird scenario, a top offensive lineman decommits from Clemson on the eve of his Florida state visit comes in. It seems like everything went well for the most part on the visit. And then now I think it was yesterday recommitted to Clemson the only thing that I could really learn about the situation is it sounds like the kid and the people involved in his recruitment aren't really on the same page with with what they want and I mean man that's just a weird one to deal with and Florida State obviously has been dealt a lot of weird ones um in recent memory run and we while you about, can run while you can that's all I'm telling Mike run while you can get away we talked it. about the the mystery top 50 recruit Last week on the podcast, that was Cedric Baxter, four-star running back, committed to Texas, a former Florida State commit. He did make it in on Saturday. I'm, I'm going to be interested to follow this one for the Seminoles, a guy who has a relationship with his coaching staff, has seen what Florida State has been able to produce on the ground with these running backs. And we'll see. It's going to depend if he schedules an official visit to Florida State. That's when I'll start taking it a little bit more seriously. But outside of that, Roderick Kearney in for – an official visit. He didn't really speak to the media, not, not doing a ton of interviews at this moment, but it's just important to get him back into Tallahassee as many times as possible before the early signing period in December. It sounds like KJ Sampson posts on his social media is going to be in for a visit for the Georgia tech games. So that's going to be huge because NC state, North Carolina have been push, pushing pretty hard there and Hakeem Williams should be back as well um, for the Georgia tech game. And we've talked about a couple of other 
couple of other visits that he'll have to Florida State through throughout the fall. So despite the loss, Florida State didn't get a commitment this weekend, but generated some momentum on the recruiting trail and just have to continue, snap this losing streak and get back to it for the rest of the season. Coach Atkins talked to us today about recruiting the momentum that they've been able to find. Coach Atkins, a big uh, factor in that happening, obviously. Definitely. Big factor. But he said, you know, straight up, you know, I think recruits are seeing this and they're seeing the progress that we're making and the improvements. But also, this is Florida State. You know, it shouldn't take much more for players, guys with rich talent, to come in and look at Florida State and say, do I have a chance of being a playmaker here? Um, and then continue to say, you know, we still got a football season, though, to finish. So uh, Coach Atkins always fun to listen to. And he went on kind of a rant today of a lot of things. But, you know, Coach Atkins is special. But it just goes to show, you know, Florida State showing that improvement there and continuing to fight in games is something that I think families, whenever they see that and – they talk with their kids saying, hey, you know, we see a turnaround happening here with Mike Norvell. A couple of years ago, that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? And they're able to go in and talk with Mike Norvell and, and listen to what he's, what he's preaching and what he's advertising. And I, I think it's working, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but wins are going to continue to do that. You look at Hakeem Williams. That's one of them right there. He sees it. He's bought in. And. I've really liked the response that he could have easily, you know, I know he said before, you know, he's going to visit other places. He's going to continue recruitment, yada, yada, yada. But I've really liked the way that Hakeem Williams has gone through once committing and now becoming a kind of a recruiter there for Florida state and helping out that coaching staff. It's what helps. You know, we've, I said it before talent wants to play with talent and you get one of the best players in the country and Hikey Williams, and it helps that he has just such an energetic personality and he's able to connect with guys in, in the ways that he does. Really attached with Damari Brown, who was a four-star defensive back on an official visit this weekend to Florida State. So Hikeem is doing what he can, and, you know, it seems like he's really bought in on Florida State right now. But obviously it's going to be huge to just continue to stay on Hikeem for the remainder of this recruiting cycle up until you get his letter of intent in because this is a guy that – you want definitely in this 2023 class, you don't want anything crazy happening down the stretch. And I mean, I don't foresee that happening right now, but it's just important, especially after what happened last year, sniff out anything in the bud before it even starts to become a problem, you know, stay on top of that one, like white on rice. Yeah. Stay really close, you know, (laughs) stay really close to white on rice. Stay as close as you can. (laughs) As close as you can, man. You're a big fried rice guy though, right? Definitely. Fried rice. What are we putting with the fried rice? What are we at? Little General Tso's sesame chicken. Some hibachi chicken. Hibachi. Okay. Yum yum sauce. Depends where we're at. Some of, are, some of them are too, you know. No. That's like pink sauce. Someone uh, put too much mayo in. You got to have a nice little blend. I don't know what all is in there. But <laughs> blend of something. Sometimes I'm getting too much mayo and I'm like, no, nah, I need I need some of that other stuff. Uh, yeah, I need that good, good. I don't know what it is. Who knows what it might be? Flavor. I don't know. It might be a little cocaina. It might be a little cocaina. I don't know. I don't know what they're putting in there. I'm addicted to it, though. It's good. Have you ever had that spicy yum yum? Yeah, I mean, I've had it from Roboto, so not the best quality that, yeah. that you could get. You get at Publix, it is... It's a it's a life changer. Uh, let's jump into some practice observations, D. Lou. We are out there Tuesday, Wednesday. A little bit of a later practice, not so much. Although Norvell, you know, SIDs told us it would start at 
9.20 today, ends up being 10 minutes earlier. Mike Norvell now holding us accountable, I guess, and putting us through some I got there early. adversity. Yeah, you, you got there early. Nice. But, okay, Tuesday, okay, yeah, what, we want to talk about Tuesday when you're there? It's not my fault that everyone – how can I help that everyone's going to be a good student and go to class and take up every parking spot on the vicinity of Forest State's campus? Can we get another parking garage or something to face these people out? I mean, I'm walking 10 miles to get to the practice field. It definitely would be nice. But, yes, Minervell starting things off nice and early no matter what, even if the practice was supposed to start later because it's bye week, giving the guys some extra rest, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'll just – Initial takeaway out of these practices. First off, we got to start off. Let's start off with Fabian Lovett. Um, we get to see him participating in drills and practice this week. A great sign there for hopefully a return soon, potentially against Georgia Tech. We'll have more of an expectation kind of guessing there next week. But it was great to see Fabian Lovett out there. Um, you know, we'll see how limited he is continuing throughout the week of this of this week. Guys are going to get some more rest. I think the biggest thing for him, you already know the talent that you get out of him. It's just more rest and recovering and going through rehab and doing his thing. But if you can have him on the field, it goes to show how much of a leader he is. He starts off the practice. You saw against Clemson. We saw in pregame warmups. He's in there calling everything and, and um, calling the huddles. Uh, to go into the locker room he's just a pivotal factor on this team as a leader he's just more vocal than Robert Cooper is um, and he's a overall team leader but just to have him on the field has been huge not only for that defense but you know for, for competition too against offensive line it's nice to have that for Maurice Smith and some of those guys in the interior He's a difference maker, and you know even when he comes back I'm not sure that he'll play a hundred percent of the snap count that he was previously but if he can give Florida State even 50 percent of what he gave them against Duquesne and LSU I mean Fabian is one of the very best players on this entire team and a huge presence on that defensive line which has had some other injury issues outside of Fabian Lovett and that's led to a little bit of a decline in play and it's also forced Dennis Briggs to get flex back inside at times I know Norvell and Coach Fuller said that Briggs played um, interior defensive line pretty much the entire game mm -hmm. against Clemson after being back at defensive end, you know, making that move over the offseason. We talked about it for a while. So, man, it's it would be huge to get him back. And Norvell even said that they were trying to get him ready to go for that Clemson game, but he just wasn't quite there yet, and it wouldn't have been fair to put the kid out in, in that condition. And, you know, I think that's that's the right way to go as far as far as handling injuries and I don't know Fabian just so important to what this team likes to do and Robert Cooper even said it with a smile yesterday that he was just so happy to have Fabian back out there on the practice field um, Adam Fuller so there's not many people like him in regards to Fabian Lovett and I, I would agree with that I don't know if there's anyone else like him on this team he's just a dominant force uh, on the interior of that defensive line and you get him and Jared Burse back out there fully healthy once again that changes that pass rush and the way that they'll be able to defend the run. It was, I mean, it was atrocious for LSU's offensive line and new Orleans. I mean, they were doing kind of what they wanted to do. Fabian Lovett was having a great game. You had Jared verse off that you, you combine both of those together and then you add, you know, I think Robert Cooper plays off of Fabian Lovett so well. So having those two guys in the interior and kind of a, they had a really thought, good game. 
Yeah, exactly. And I thought so much more. I had higher expectations out of Jared Jackson, um, at least the, the which he didn't even play against Clemson. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. Yeah, didn't couldn't even play. Um, I, I just thought so much, so how much higher. So then you throw in Joshua Farmer, a younger guy who we've seen flashes of, who I think is going to have a bright future heading into the next season. But you know, Fabian Lovett, seeing him at practice, I loved hearing. I was somewhat, you know, so I was hearing down the field someone's yelling so loud telling the defense to get off the field or get down the field get off the field to get to the next drill who was it it was fabian lovett you know he he just holds everybody accountable and that's something that mongerville has been trying to do for the last couple of years inside that locker room find players and hold each other accountable we talked about it for the last three or four years since florida state has fallen off just from guys not giving a damn or just just lacking around or whatever. Fabian Lovett is like another coach on the field, but they're going to listen more to a leader like Fabian out there, a guy that is his teammate out there calling one and one calling each other out. So uh, it was funny to see that from Fabian. You know, it, he's back, he's back, and you're going to have to listen to him. So uh, big time guy coming back this week for Florida State. We'll see if he'll be available against Georgia Tech next week. Uh, but I think there's some high there's some high optimism. And then another guy, Winston Wright Jr., we've seen some progress here from him. The first time having some contact, D'Lu, we've been talking about it for a while at practice. Like, man, I can't wait to see him to go against at least some defensive backs. But we got we got our um, wishes granted with Winston Wright on Tuesday going against some defensive backs. He also did the same for a consecutive uh, back-to-back days against the defensive backs. I thought, you know, nice to see him out there competing a good sign there, you know, Mike Norvell, you know, coaching him the same as the other wide receivers. But for us to get our first glance at uh, number one out there in the fold is an optimistic thing of hopefully seeing a return onto the field and game readiness. It's good to just see him continue to make progress. Um, he started catching passes with the quarterback, just, you know, running routes on air a couple of weeks ago. And we were like, all right, well, Winston Wright is starting to ramp it up a little bit. And then, yeah, like you said, this week, come out there in the one-on-ones and actually up against a defender, taking a little bit of contact off the line of scrimmage, you know, getting jammed and stuff. Just good while he continues to gain confidence um, in the leg. There were a couple of times where Mike Norvell pulled him to the side, talked to him about how to run a certain route or this or that, and, you know, he and then watched him pretty, pretty heavily during those one-on-ones. So I think they're just kind of getting a feel for where he's at right now, and this is just kind of the next step in his rehab process, taking a little bit of contact because we're not quite seeing him yet in, in the seven-on-seven. Seven. So in one-on-ones for now, we'll see kind of how it goes from here. I don't want to put like a projected timeline yeah. or anything on his recovery. It's just good to see the progress that he's made so far. And um, Ja'Kai Douglas mentioned it yesterday during his press conference. He was asked um, when this offense gets Winston Wright and other guys back and is fully healthy, you know, what are they going to be like? And, said we're going to be dangerous and I agree Winston Wright just like Ja'Kai Douglas coming back a guy that can take the top off of defense and be a deep threat struggled a little bit early in spring practice with some coverages so it's just going to be interesting to see where he goes from here and whether it's I don't know if it'll be against Georgia Tech but whether it's against Georgia Tech or sometime by the end of the season it'd be nice to get him out there but I think we've said before if he's not fully 110 percent ready to go and especially mentally comfortable going out there, planting, making those cuts, taking contact on that leg. Don't even put him out there this year. Just give him an, another offseason to recover and have him rolling 
full speed to come out in 2023. Yeah, I think this. I'd way rather play it safe. Don't go backwards five steps. Just slowly progress him, and if he's available and he's good to go for next season, that just let that be the case. You you've got guys that have stepped up in mm-hmm. the wide receiver room, like Kentron Portier is a guy that God flashed this week during practice. Hello, definitely today with that grab on the sideline, keeping his foot in bounds. What, Mignorvell, you were right there on that sideline. My, I'm pretty sure Mignorvell ran on top of him, jumped all over him, and was excited for him. And that's been the case the last couple of weeks for Kentron. Making some plays awesome. Malik McLean, too, has had a great week of practice, two consecutive days of just being dominant. And Jordan Travis and those two connecting well. It felt a lot like fall camp and spring camp all over again because those two getting into a rhythm. Micah Pittman also. There was a question in here about Deuce Span, D. Lou. We see the flashes. We see the long – we see those deep balls that he comes down with. I think for Deuce Spam, it's – going back a little bit to the spring, there's definitely been a nice improvement for him getting down the playbook and such, but still a lot of coaching to be done with him under Ron Dugans and Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell is very hands-on with Deuce. He sees a lot of potential there, and he, there is a lot of potential. There's a very high ceiling for him. I think it's more going to come into next season. They're utilizing him in different kind of packages, mainly to get, take advantage with his speed. But there's still some coaching to be done. And, you know, we're, we're now in the halfway of the season. We'll see if things up uh, upgrade there. But there's just been some other guys uh, around the room that have just have maybe hit a, a faster stride than he has to start out this 2022 year. I would say that's a good way to put it because, I mean, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, you know, you said Kentron Poitier, uh, Poitier, those, those guys have really broken out this season and made some really big plays for Florida State. And at the same time with Deuce, um, he was really good in the preseason, as his comment says, had some nice plays in the LSU game. But Norvell said today some injuries early in the season kind of set him back a little bit. Um, I would say he's night and day from the player he was when he stepped on Florida State's campus in January. He's made tremendous strides as a wide receiver. And this is still a guy who I think is going to be a major impact player for those wide receivers over the coming years. And whether it starts to happen over these last final five games, we're just going to have to see. But do span all the tools in the world. And it's just going to take time because we've said it before, but he's made he's making that transition to wide receiver was previously a quarterback and he's got the, those athletic traits, but he's got to develop just the natural receiver abilities that come with playing the position for time, the little new, the nuances that, that you learn with game experience. And he's got a little bit, a little bit of that this year made some tremendous plays in practice, which I'm sure we'll get into in a couple minutes, but um, yeah, the sky, the sky is really the limit for him and his best football is ahead of him and it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a few more things from me from practice this week. Uh, overall, the the intensity, I felt like this was a game week, in my opinion. The competitiveness, the chippiness, things got a little chippy this week. And it's just because we're in the mid mid part of the season. Things a little, get a little tired of being out there a little bit. But the energy, guys trying, everything. It felt a whole 180 from when I was out there. We got credentialed the first time um, back in September of last year and going through those losses guys kind of just heads down kind of, you know, going through the motions. That's not the case this year. I mean, these guys are going at it. And I think guys are also fighting for playing, playing time. 
And that's nice to see guys wanting to get in there and get as many reps as possible. You see a lot of the wide receivers going at it nonstop with the defensive backs. Renato Green having a fantastic practice on Tuesday. Just continue to see guys going at as Azrae Thomas also coming away with an interception this morning. You're seeing guys continue to to drive in energy. I love it. I, I thought they had a great week of practice for a bye week, and then now they get to go in and rest. Everything that you want to see, and like Mike Norvell said, these guys are working. You know, that's not that's not been the problem. That's not been the problem this season. These guys are working their tails off. They're wearing themselves out, but they're coming out the next day and going at it with one another. I, I just really like the energy I saw this week. These guys, after an zero and three stretch of losing could literally put their heads down and just go through the motion and, and head into this rest of the season. But no, you know, they're, they're on a mission and they're getting ready for next week's opponent with Georgia tech. Chose the culture. I would say, you know, Mike Norvell has said in the past that the coaches can only provide so much leadership. And eventually whenever it trickles down to the players and the guys start policing themselves that's when you really know that the culture that you've been trying to instill is paying off. And, and like you mentioned, would love it yelling at the defense earlier to get faster, you know, we or to move faster over to the next drill or whatever, whatever the hell it was. Um, either way, just seeing these guys take accountability, you know, you're in the middle of a three game losing streak. You're going into a bye week. It could very easily be very lazy out there, unfocused instead, as you said, an intense practice, um, very focused, on execution there were a couple times at, at least on Tuesday I didn't I thought today was today was outstanding but at least on Tuesday there were a couple times where Mike Norvell was telling guys like hurry up like get over to the next drill but for the most part you know coming off a three-game losing streak some really tough games that you've lost and you don't have an opponent this weekend I think that this could have been a very bad week for Florida State but instead they put in a lot of good work little bit of shorter practices got some guys some recovery time and then also um in the second half of these last two days got a lot of work with some of the younger guys and got a chance to see some some players deeper down on the depth chart and, and what they can do when they're asked to step up um, during team drills or red zone drills things like that so I, I thought it was a very interesting couple of days for Florida State and certainly seemed like the team is still dialed in and ready to get after it for these final five games of the season um, they're going to get back to work from what Norvell said on Sunday. So nice couple of days off. I'm I'm sure they'll enjoy it. You know, a couple of guys are obviously pretty beaten up and it'll be huge for these rest days ahead of a game against Georgia Tech who's looking a little tougher than they were at the beginning of the year. Yep, exactly. One last thing, that beautiful grab from Ja'Kai Douglas in that corner of the end zone. It was right in front of you and I, D. Lou gorgeous i think i think jakai douglas looks 105 percent. you know that recovery florida state's trainers um everybody in that training room did a great job with him because he looks phenomenal you know got to see some glimpses of him against clemson gonna up up the playing time going into georgia tech i would highly expect i'm excited for some jakai douglas that's going to open up a lot of different opportunities for, for what mike Garbell and what he likes to do explosive plays and he relied on Ja'Kai Douglas, a young Ja'Kai Douglas last year. There's going to be more out of him the latter half of this season. He's just fresh right now. And um, and I, I keep saying Norvell said, but at the press conference today, Norvell talked about Ja'Kai Douglas and Fabian Lovett getting back to practice. And he said, these guys just love football. And I think you're seeing that from Ja'Kai. He, he said that this is the longest stretch that he hasn't played football since he started, since he took up the sport, basically. So he's just happy 
to be back out there on the practice field. You know, these guys come into practice. A lot of the the whole roster pretty much comes into practice focused and ready to go. But Jakai's coming in with a smile on his face because he's just happy to be out there. He knows what it's like to miss time. And he's coming out there and, and gotten into a stride. Like you said, really made a tremendous catch today. Scored a touchdown against Clemson. Had another reception that was called back due to a penalty. But we've talked about it. This is a, a deep threat. Guy who's got a lot of speed and he's he's really he's feeling confident in his game right now. I think he's definitely gonna make make an impact in that wide receiving core. We'll be back out there at practice on Tuesday morning. So we'll make sure to give you guys some updates. Make sure you guys keep an eye out nolgamedate.com for our practice observation pieces that we'll usually put out a couple hours after that ends. After hearing We did it. say that Kendron Poiter and Malik McLean were awesome this week, by the way, too, right? Yeah, we did say that. Yep. I said Kentron and Malik McLean. Okay. And, and I want to see Renardo Green, man. That Tuesday practice was really impressive. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of CB1. CB1. We're going to get to some grades here in just a few minutes, too. Let's go into some NFL knowledge real quick. D Lou. Uh, shout out to D Hop, man. What a kick. Getting that game winner. He's done it multiple times before. He's done it in Tallahassee. He's done it for multiple organizations in the league. But, you know, hello. 39-yard kick to win the game in overtime for the Chargers over Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Man, Russell Wilson having a rough start to this season in those primetime games. But shout-out to him. Also, Derwin James had a big-time sack, too. We tweeted out uh, that night. But, you know, shout-out to – I love Hopkins. And then getting the go Knowles at the end of the interview. I mean, uh, just worked out. And Derwin James giving some Florida State love also. Uh, just awesome to see D Hop still has it, man. Gritty performance, especially playing through. I don't know if it was a hamstring or a quad injury, but whatever he was kicking those field goals, he was just going straight to the ground to, I guess, prevent further pain to to the leg. But perfect on the night, made a game winner. It's a pretty solid game for for a kicker. Yep, great stuff there from D Hop. Uh, nice game from him, and then. I want to bring up some stuff going on still with some West Coast Knolls. Might not be West Coast Knoll anymore. Cam oh. Akers. What is going on over there between Sean McVay, the coaching staff, reports that, and well, actually Sean McVay pretty much said it straight up, that a uh, trade is in the works. Doesn't seem like Cam Akers is going to be a Ram any longer. Just a really weird situation. He's kind of had a rough start to the season. He's found the end zone a few times, but in that red zone, though, one time. one time in the red zone, maybe a few more fumbles and touchdowns. It's just been a tough season for Cam Akers to go on with the season. Just didn't seem like there's a lot of agreement going on behind closed doors. Cam Akers, where could he go, though? Where could he go? You put a little piece out there on Bucks game day that, you know, maybe he could go help out Leonard Fournette over there with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. I think there's going to be some teams definitely calling for him. Cam Akers is a talented back, and I don't think it's really the injury. I think he's gotten over that Achilles injury. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Cam. It's tough because, you know, coming off the, the Achilles last year and he made that epic return to get back for the final regular season game and then all four playoff games for the Rams, but just couldn't – he wasn't – fully back in form yet and this season like you said struggled out of the gate and 
Um, this report from Ian Rappaport said that Cam Akers and Sean McVay are dealing with football and philosophical differences. And you don't really hear this kind of situation where the coach comes out to the press conference and literally says, yeah, we're looking for a trade for this guy, um, a running back who we drafted in the second round uh, about – I guess this is his this yeah. is his third season. So I mean, it's been very it hasn't been that long since the Rams drafted invested a premium draft pick in Cam Akers, and we all know that's not a team that has a lot of picks with the trades they've made to acquire players. So to draft Cam Akers that high is saying something. But now with where he is, I think you're looking at maybe a team getting a steal out of this deal, a day two, a day three pick, and maybe some player to make the salary work toss it in, get Cam Akers, and hope that he's able to get back to form because a lot of these major leg injuries and the Achilles is just a tough one to come back no matter what. But it usually takes two full years, I I think, to be fully physically recovered from this type of devastating injury, especially for a running back, a guy who uses those lower legs to cut and churn for extra yards. You know, he's got to be extremely confident in that leg. And it could be a mental thing as well because – you look at it, Cam Akers, he's struggled this season to hit open holes. And whether that's getting back into form or not fully trusting his offensive line or even himself, um, you know, it's been tough to watch. But remember what this guy did at Florida State. I mean, he's a stud. Get him in the right scenario, and, and I think he'll bounce back. Yep. Yep. He definitely will. Uh, there's definitely some optimism for him. And wherever he goes, I think he'll fit in to quite a few places, honestly. Young, stud. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's jump into one last, a couple knolls here. A weird one that is, I don't think is going to last much longer, but Jameis Winston yeah. was dealing with just weird stuff to start off this season, man. You know, had, had a rough start and then he gets injured. He's dealing with multiple fractures in his back. They still put him out there to play. And then now they're like, oh, let's go and take him away and give him some rest. And then you throw in Andy Dalton, and then there's reports coming out that uh, they might ride with Andy Dalton unless something goes bad. And once again, screwing around with that. That's just a New Orleans thing. I, I already said he should have never – I should have came to Pittsburgh. It is what it is. Shout out to Mitch Trubisky, though, for that win that we got. Um, but should have came to Pittsburgh with this because whatever's going on in New Orleans is a weird thing. And then you got the uh, Taysom Hill in the mix too. Like what the, what the flying F is going on? But Andy Dalton has started the last two games. They just lost to the Bengals 30 to 26, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think the Andy Dalton show is going to last much longer. Hopefully Jameis Winston will get back into a group. We should get an answer really soon, probably tomorrow on if they end up starting him or Andy Dalton, but just such a weird, thing going on over there I don't, I don't know what they're doing it's crazy how Jameis Winston always ends up as the scapegoat for whatever is going wrong with his team <laughs> Buccaneers couldn't win a Super Bowl oh it was Jameis Winston's fault and now Andy Dalton won one freaking game oh so let's bench Jameis Winston I mean the guy tore his ACL last year rehab to come back injured his ankle in the preseason now has the four small fractures in his back and was still fighting to be out there um, for the team, even dressed on Sunday as the emergency backup quarterback for the Saints, despite you know still having those injuries. So I think it just says something for Jameis, the type of guy he is with such a, a tough injury that he had last year to get back this early. Now he's got fractures in his back and he's still fighting to be out there for the Saints who, you know, two and four out of the gate. It doesn't look like 
they're going a lot of places this year. Alvin Kamara hasn't been amazing. Michael Thomas, who's on my fantasy team, not in the lineup very often. Once again, I thought I had a steal there, but uh, he stole me because my fantasy team is in the dumps and I had to cut Jameis too (laughs) because of this. So, um, falling apart I, I just feel i feel bad for Jameis because dude's doing everything that he can it's unfortunate that he suffered those injuries but i mean he shouldn't be the backup to andy freaking dalton no not at all the sorry red andy the red rifle mm. gotta get off this podcast god before you know they'll put Taysom hill out there to start anyway that's so. who's been pretty much doing all their offense it's not even andy dalton yeah uh, and then one last thing I want to mention too: a guy that's undefeated in the league right now and is playing some good football too. Shout out to Josh Sweat, man. How uh, the Eagles? I mean, they're surviving games, but I mean, damn. Okay, then Josh Sweat. Shout out to them having a good season so far. I don't know if they're gonna have another Philly run. Right now they are, but they're about to go through a nice rough stretch of the season. We'll see how that ends up going for them. But nice season. For Joshua, I just always love guys that have gone through those really bad injuries starting very early on in their career and end up balling out. So shout out to Sweat doing his thing over there with the Philadelphia Eagles. 6-0 and to start the season, 2022. He's doing great. Let's uh, end off this podcast by going through a quick run of midway season report cards. We'll go offense, defense, and we'll go through every position group. D-Lou, we'll start off How's with just giving – how quick? Yeah, how's that going to be quick? It sounds like a lot of work. We're going to do it in 15 minutes max. How's that sound? Think you can do it? I don't know. I talk a lot. I know. We've already we've already burned up an hour here, but we you told me it'd be 12 this. minutes without without these without the report card section, and it's been 55, and we're just starting it. We haven't it's even been... talked about Florida State's final five games. I thought you wanted to talk about those too. We 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 can. We could do that. We could do that. But I'd really, really miss VZ's takes on those. You know, really think yeah. that he could bring us some good insight. I'm sure. I'm sure we get some really good takes. <sighs> hey, don't be mean. Don't be mean. Uh, let's go. All right. So let's go offense, defense. What grade are you giving the offense overall to start this season? Pretty hot start. Things slow down. You destroy Boston College. I think anybody would with two brain cells. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Boston College. I'm sorry. Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what are we feeling? What are we feeling for offense? I'm feeling. Yeah, give, give me a B minus. I think the wide receiver improvement helps it a little bit i'd give That's it a crazy. c plus i would give it a c, c plus, plus. Going, i'm giving i'm giving a me, b minus so c plus or b minus <laughs> b minus i was just gonna i was just gonna give it a solid a solid b just I'm because sorry, been pretty impressed with what they've done put them and i'll keep saying it they put themselves in a position to win these last three games and just came up a little bit short, but overall, the, the improvement on offense has definitely been there. Um, you're seeing a lot more consistency um, when it comes through when it comes to throwing the ball. Jordan Travis, the strides he's taken as a passer are tremendous, despite some of the mistakes that he's made 
over these last couple of games. The offensive line has been beat up, and there's been some issues there at times. But regardless, the rushing attack with those three with that three headed monster back there has gotten it done more often than not. So I think I think coming in from where I thought things were in the preseason, I think the offense has performed a little bit better than I expected through seven games. Yep. And I've 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 definitely been pleased with watching that run game and what Coach Atkins yeah. has been able to do, and obviously going off to that Clemson game too. But you know, Florida State has a nice tandem of running backs that helps a lot, and that upside and the improvement in the wide receiver room has been nice. Uh, and then let's go over to defense for them. I'm giving I'm going to go and give them I'm going to give them a C plus. I'm going to give them a C plus. I think what helps a ton is seeing the emergence. Of, you know, Renardo Green there, a cornerback, has saved quite a bit. Marlon Cooper on the other side, though, has hurt that. Off the edge, though, that, uh, there's a lot of promising things throughout the rest of this season with Jared Verse being your star there. Derek McLennan starting to get kind of into a little bit of a groove here near the midway point of the season. And then Pat Payton, the future is really bright there. Um, if you're able to get Fabian Lovett, too, in the mix, you know, that helps a lot. But um, you know what you get out of safety room with Jamie Robinson. Keem Dan, I thought have a little bit better of a start to the season. Yes, he's definitely saved some touchdowns from happening, but just a few things here and there. But I overall, this just averages out to be a C-plus for me. It's tough. I'm stuck between like a C-plus and, and a B-minus because I almost – I almost dropped the defense down a little bit because they're kind of a, they were kind of expected to carry the offense with the experience on that side of the ball, but they've also been beat up with injuries. And Florida State, I talked about uh, the cornerback depth coming into this year, and it's it's burned them a couple of times. Uh, Kevin Knowles and, and Amarion Cooper have had some struggles. You know, Jerrion Jones has had some struggles. I think the linebackers have been a lot better, but at the same time, it seems like they can never figure out when to cover the running back at the most crucial times of the ball game. You always have a running back breaking out of there and the defensive line has just been so beaten up. But I mean, I was impressed for the most part with the game against North Carolina state. And you have to think despite giving up 31 points to wake forest, that was 11 points less than wake forest had scored in any game up to, to that point of the season. So in this stretch, yeah, they kind of got hurt against Clemson, but some of those situations that they were put in bad spots by the long kickoff return, the fumble from Jordan Travis. So I think you have to look at that side of it as well. Let's go through some positions on offense. Quarterback. Teams. No, we can. I did it on the Mark Rogers show. I gave them I gave them a C plus because I added special a. teams a C plus. What are you giving them? I would give them like a B plus. That so the only they had one bad kickoff return against Clemson. They had Master Mono's horrific error on on the punt. They had that hurt me that the hurt fake me. punt that they did not get by one yard, and they've had Ryan Fitzgerald's struggles. But when you look at where things were over the last couple of years, I mean, look at the way the return unit has been the last couple of games. You've had three straight games of a punt of a punt return of 30-plus more yards, um, kickoff return for a touchdown against Boston College. You've blocked multiple field goals. Boston College, extra points. Yeah. Yeah, you blocked a field – you blocked an extra point to beat LSU and a field goal in that game. I, you you got to give some love to the special teams, man. 
I'll give it a B minus. I'll give it a B minus. I'll give it a B minus. That's it, though. Are you kidding me? That's got to be. It's got to be higher than the offense. You would have thought you were giving it an A, though. God for B minus. I'm I'm close. If without without the kickoff return, and if Monster Mono would have either ran or punted, it'd be an A. No. It'd be an A. I'm sorry. I'm 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 gonna give it a B minus. I'll give it a B minus. I love the return game coverage, but it comes down to big plays and what puts what hurts you and what hurt me in that game is starting off that second half against Clemson with the Will Shipley friggin' sixty nine yard return. Apparently great in that one play from that one game, other than what they did the previous six on. No, I'm, I was about to give. We you didn't even talk about Micah Pittman and his punt return game. I did. I, I, just, I just said three straight games with a thirty plus yard punt return. Are you listening? No, not really. I'm looking at the chat. I'm seeing what they're saying. I'm seeing I'm seeing here saying William versus not ready for the NFL yet, so don't even think about it, kid. He's gone. Yeah, way bye bye. Say goodbye to say goodbye to Enjoy Jared your Verse. final six games of Jared Verse. I don't think he'll I don't think he'll be back. I'm not expecting. So definitely if he's gonna come back after this bye week fully healthy and you get that back. Even still, I mean, you're seeing him graded now as a first-round draft pick by some of these um, analysts and scouts. And as soon yeah. as he's in that range, and you've got to think the injury he suffered this year, he, he's seen how close it could be to him potentially being out for the season. Thankfully, he was able to return, and now he's getting back healthy and continuing to make an impact on that Florida State defense. But transitioning to the FBS, getting getting some real draft buzz, right now and then suffering that injury i think that maybe makes him think about it a little bit and it's going to be a tough decision for verse in the end because this is a guy who loves his teammates and has really enjoyed being at florida state but it wouldn't surprise me if he makes that leap yep lame's asking what is verse done pull up the stats he's done very well <laughs> yeah, he's done very well uh let's go offensive line real quick Midway point through the season, Robert Scott Jr., who I don't think is, has been fully healthy yet, or at least for a while. Uh, you got Jazz of Turrentine in there. A lot of inconsistencies. Dylan Gibbons, probably your most consistent guy on the inside. Probably Maurice Smith also in there for the most part. Dimitri Emmanuel here and there, really game by game with him. Uh, I'm going to go... I liked what they did against Clemson for the most part. I, I'm going to give them – I've seen an upward spring in them. I'm going to give them a B-. minus. I'm going to give them a B- minus with the injuries involved there. You lose Bless Harris to start off the friggin' season like that. Just And Caden Lyles, too, in preseason. C-plus, injuries, there's been some inconsistencies. I mean, this, this offensive line is definitely better than – I mean – it's probably right. It's probably a little bit better comparative to what they were last year, but it's better than some of the offensive lines that we've seen from Florida State in recent memory. And that's with backups inserted um, in multiple games throughout this year. Florida State, I think they've only had um, two games now where they've had the same starting offensive line combination on the entire season. So it was exactly what we talked about what FSU couldn't have in the preseason. A lot of guys in and out of the lineup. Um, going deeper into that depth despite having 19 scholarship offensive linemen. That's not something that you wanted to do. And, you know, we, we've seen the struggles at times, but there's also been some encouraging moments. So C plus. 
C plus it is. Running back room. I'm going to give this one right now. I loved what I've seen to start off the season with Treshawn Ward. You know, that was a guy that was really put you into your only running game against LSU. Uh, Trey Benson there, Louisville late game, fourth quarter, had to get in, had to find something. Trey Benson got you down the field. Lawrence Tofilly now starting to get into a groove later in the, later now. I love the way that he was running against Clemson, man. You can just tell a much more powerful back, powerful back and a lot more confidence in his run game. Uh, I'm going with a A. Going with an A. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I would say A at this point of the season. We'll see where things go with Treshawn Ward from here. Would be huge for Florida State to get him back during this late push to – make the postseason, but regardless, you know, with the way Trey Benson and Lawrence Toffoli performed against Clemson, you've got to feel really encouraged. And I know Rodney Hill didn't get involved uh, against the Tigers, but whenever he does get out there and gets an opportunity, I think Florida State fans are going to be happy with him. So you've got four bona fide running backs in that room, and I've they've, they've showed it at times, and the three-headed monster is a real thing. So, hey. William is now telling us verse to me right now would be a fifth round pick. We need to we need to send your scouting analysis so he doesn't enter. <laughs> <laughs> now, Save him for another year. We'll have a big long conversation probably in the la- uh, closer to the end of the season on verse. A lot of NFL scouts have been watching him. Yeah, we see him yeah, come to practice it. every day. They they keep an eye on number five. They do. They got that on the notepad at the top. Uh, tight end room. Got to say, going into the season, wasn't wasn't expecting too much from it, but I do think there has been an, an improvement from last season. You see Cameron McDonald, obviously tight end one. Marquise and Douglas, too. I think that's probably one that boosts, like, boosts up my report card here. Uh, Preston Daniels has caught a touchdown, too. Um, I'm going to go... They've also dealt with some injuries too. You got Jackson West who, who's been dealing with some stuff. Uh, give me, give me, give me a B. Give me a B. I'm not going to give it a B minus. I'm not going to give it a B plus. But I do like that two tight end set out there. There was some success. I, I, I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm going to give it a. You could give it a B minus with the Cam McDonald drops a few times, but I'm, I'm going to give it a flat B. Just, just a flat B. Weren't much, weren't very many expectations for this room in the preseason. So I think that goes into the grade a little bit. But yeah, got to be in that C plus to B minus range because there have been some drops, but there have been a couple of plays. I think you've got to be encouraged a little bit from what you've seen from Marquise. And I know it's only translated into three catches for 30 yards, but he's also been really big for Florida State as far as um, run blocking and in some of these screen plays as well so some stuff that doesn't pop up in the stat sheet um you know love to see the tight ends get a little bit more involved in the passing game but i think that also just comes with upgrading the talent in that room as as things go go on and you know wyatt rector has been banged up a little bit you know you mentioned jackson west cameron mcdonald came into the preseason and was out for a pretty decent amount of time so he might not be 100 percent at the moment so Considering what they have in that room, what we thought it would be in late late July and August, 
I'll I'll go B minus. That's only because Marquise's nickname is Biscuit. That that's like a point mm. five. And you like that. biscuits? And I like and I like Marquise. I think he's gonna be. You're not. You don't see it on the stat sheet yet, but I I, I like him. I think he's gonna blossom into something. Uh, Tom's asking, do you think Julian Armello will get some playing time? Uh, it just depends on if, if someone goes down. We've seen that Darius Washington will sub in if Robert Scott Jr. goes down. But I uh, I believe Norvell, I think it was Norvell last week talking about Julian Armella because he had a good week of practice and uh, still a guy that's getting coached a lot. It's kind of the same way with Deucepan. Guys are very hands-on. Coach Agans is very hands-on with Julian Armella right now. Um, because there's a lot of potential. There's a very high ceiling. The talent is rich with Armella, and he's going to play a lot of ball for Florida State. I just don't think there's any rush right now to get him in there into the mix after you, you're for once in a while, you're able to kind of keep that same group going into games on that front line. But, you know, he, he's learned a lot and, and seeing, you know, Robert Scott Jr. out there. Um, do I think that he's far off from Darius Washington from what I've seen Washington at tackle this year? I don't think so. But we also haven't had any film on Julian Armella playing the game. But I there's there should be some excitement for him. But I also don't think there's any rush. Coach Atkins is doing a lot with him right now, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I I don't I don't know that he ends up starting the game this year. But you know, wouldn't surprise me if he gets some reps down the stretch of a game if, if Florida State's blowing somebody out. It's just with the way the offensive tackle situation is right now, as far as having um, Robert Scott back, having Jaston, who can flip to left tackle if necessary and can also play right. And then the same thing with Darius Washington can kind of – can we've seen him kind of play every position, Everything. it feels like, mm-hmm. along all five positions on the offensive line. Um, so, got some – and all those guys have been playing at this level for a lot longer than Julian, who's only been at Florida State since June – a tough spot to be in but like you said really bright future for julian armella and he's florida state's left tackle of the future it feels like and a lot of hope a lot of a lot of high hopes from atkins and norvell in julian and they've been pushing him extremely hard he's had some very good practices as of late but there's still those moments where he's looks like an 18 year old true freshman and that's exactly what he is right now it takes the offensive lineman for the most part a little bit longer to progress than some of the other positions and that's just the nature of the game but Armella waiting in the wings he's going to break out Tom's asking what about fullbacks uh DJ Lundy a plus two for two on the goal line LSU and Clemson two games to do it for but yeah a plus for the fullback position uh, let's jump into the defensive side here. Let's start off with defensive end, a guy that we've been talking about the last couple of minutes, Jared Verse being the star one. Uh, Derek McLennan on the other side. Uh, you've got Pat Payton, Leonard Warner, who's had to step up with the limited reps uh, or limited playing time with Jared Verse dealing with through that injury right now. Uh, I'm going to give this defensive end room A. Hey, I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it an A. I think, obviously, Jared boosts that a lot. Pat Payton, I think, helps a ton there, too. And I've liked whenever Leonard Warner has to go in there. He he takes care of business, man. Sets the edge. I'm going to give it an A. A little bit high for me. I'd probably say B or or B+. You know, Jared versus 
been phenomenal for the most part. It's been really nice to see what Patrick Payton has done. Um, would like a little bit more out of McClendon and, and Dennis Briggs. I know Leonard Warner, you know, being like a, a six-year senior, just getting him in there, some of the contributions that he's made. They've been decent, so B-plus. But there's also been some times where they failed to contain some quarterbacks and gotten out there for some scrambles, so – I don't know. Why'd you why'd you randomly spring this on me right before we started the podcast? I could have actually wrote something down if you would have given me like 30 minutes. Use your brain. Use your brain. What, what brain? I, I didn't get good report cards, and now I gotta give them out. <laughs> Come on, dude. Might be asking the wrong person here. Uh let's go in the interior defensive line. We've talked about it enough, but Fabian Lovett goes down against LSU. You had to have some guys step up. Jared Jackson, Joshua Farmer, Malcolm Ray. I'm going to go ahead and, and then obviously your guy with Robert Cooper on the other side. I'm going to give this. Why do you say my guy? That was more of talking about the crap, like the listeners, your guy. <laughs> then you got your guy on the other side, you know, just like overall, not you. I mean, is Robert Cooper not your guy? I'm just, I'm just asking, you know, why like Robert why Cooper could be my guy. I, I think he could be everybody's guy. Robert Cooper could be everybody's good guy. But is he a good enough guy to get a B? <laughs> ah, give me a C plus. Give me a C plus. Give me a C. I... Give me a C. Maybe even a C minus. This unit was supposed to carry the team, and I'll, I'll be I'm just I'm, I'm adding the injury though. I'm adding the injury. Yeah, Fabian yeah. Lovett's injury hurts, but we talked about the guys behind him should have been able to step up. And Robert Cooper has disappointed at times. I know Jared Jackson has had some injuries, but, you know, he hasn't performed great at times. Malcolm Ray also has struggled with some injuries. Joshua Farmer, a young guy. But we expected that interior defensive line to be maybe the best unit, at least me. I mean, you could correct me. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of speaking for you right now. I expected this uh, to was, potentially be the best unit in. on the entire team entering the season, and they just haven't been that uh, louisville ran all over them clemson got to do some things um nc state in the second half uh on some crucial drives ran the ball down florida state's throat and yeah i know the injuries the injuries definitely suck but i was expecting more uh, out of the guys in that room with the with the experience that they were able to gain last year whenever dennis briggs went down mm-hmm just waiting on Iobami Tafase, man. That's all it is. That's going to fix it. And Daniel Lyons, too. That's right. Whoa, don't get on. Oh, well, don't miss it on my guy, Bishop Thomas, now. Come on. Come on. I love me some Bishop Thomas. He is one of the most entertaining players, really, between the conversations of Odell Higgins and him. Just that's hilarious stuff. I, w- I wish people could be there for it, but poor, poor Bishop Thomas. And not, not that he's not performing well. He makes tons of flashes in practice, but he's, he's the, he's getting the Joshua farmer treatment, which is usually a good sign. Same way with Alex Atkins and Julian Armella, very hands-on coaching to begin their careers at Florida state. But yeah, deep defensive line unit. Got to see, got to see some, an upswing here to finish off the season and should help too with your, one of your biggest leaders on the team coming back with love it. Linebacker room, linebacker room. This one, I'm interested to see this grade. I'm very interested to see this grade. Kalen Deloge, Tatum Bethune, DJ Lundy, Brennan Gant. 
Amari Gaynor, Lamar Graham Jr. That's all you got. Isn't that crazy? That's all you got. All you got, all you need, but is it good enough? Uh, make sure you put in the chat, guys. We need to hear more. We need to hear y'all's takes. Linebacker grade. Everybody put in the chat. I see. I see. I see. Good stuff this game. Then I see what's going on this game. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go. I'll go B minus. B minus to C plus. Oh. Oh. Uh, C plus for right now. C plus for right now. No, gonna, B minus. I don't know. I'm going to go C B B plus. You got oh. three, three linebackers in the top six on tackles on the team. Tatum Bethune leading the team in tackles. And I think you can see <clears throat> the impact that Tatum has made on the defense is noticeable since his transfer in from UCF. I mean, him and Kalen Deloach paired together have just been flying around. And, I mean, when those guys are on, they're knocking running backs out. They're putting the quarterback down, um, and it's beautiful. But they do have some mistakes where they lose contain on the quarterback and, and you give up a big play or you lose contain on the edge or you lose the running back and they get open out of the flat for a big gain. So there's been some mistakes there, but I think it's definitely – some of the best linebacker play that we've seen out of Florida State in recent memory. And DJ Lundy is still progressing there. Brendan Gann is making that transition and in a limited role right now, but some promising flashes that we've seen from him and Amari Gaynor, just that early season injury really set him back. We'll see how, how much he's able to get involved down, down the stretch here. But as far as the top three linebackers in the rotation, you got to feel really good with what you have. And I mean, this linebacker, the linebackers were the complete weakness of this defense. The past couple of years, it started to turn around last year. And I think that Ascension has only continued so far in 2022 and they haven't been perfect, but they've been a lot better than they were. This is a, this is a unit that has stepped up through injuries and have continued to play one of the most consistent unit that's been able to stay out there on the field. So I will give them that. And I think Randy, Randy Shannon has impressed me quite a bit with what he's been able to do with this room and their improvement. And you might, you might get all three of those top three in the rotation, Bethune, Deloche and Lundy back again. So this might not even be the best version of those linebackers for next season. Yeah. None of them are seniors. We'll see what happens as far as NFL aspirations, but yeah. potentially all of them back. We'll see. Uh, let's finish it off with the defensive back room. We'll go specifically to cornerbacks here. Renardo Green being CB1. CB1, been saying it for a while. And finally, people will listen to me. I love what I've seen out of Renardo Green to begin this season, open field tackling. You can rely on him now in one-on-ones for the most part. Had two really nice pass breakups against Clemson. Uh, really liked his game against LSU, too, where that was a wide receiver threat going into it. Just a guy that will show up and play well. On the other side, though, Marion Cooper, man, going back, flashbacks of the LSU game with that quick slant inside in the end zone to give Jaden Daniels a chance to stay in that game. Thank God for Shaheen Brown to block that kick. But – and you got Azrae Thomas, too, who's really creeping up there. Jerry and Jones, you have the, the inconsistencies. Greedy Van. Well, we'll just mainly stick on those outside corners. I'm going to give it 
mainly starting about the starting unit. That's all it really needs to be, you know. Man, it's crazy. Play as a whole is what we're great as. We're not grading starters or backups. It's how have they played as a whole. And not good, Logan. So give them don't give them a good grade. I'm not going to. <laughs> Love you, Renardo, but this isn't fully on you. I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna go ahead and give it a uh do it. Nah, I don't wanna go down there. I don't wanna go down there. I don't wanna go down there. I'm gonna go I'll go. I just gotta say, I can't pick in between both. I'm gonna go, man. D plus. D plus. D plus. <laughs> it's on that verge of a C minus. Ronaldo. Now nah, give it a C minus. C minus will be it. But I don't know. I, don't I wish know. my teacher flip flopped on my grades like this. I might have got a better one. Hey, 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 so, hey. It's all about working some magic with them. You know what I'm saying? Not like freaky like that, but you know. That's just like what I assumed, but like talking to them and being nice and bringing them some flowers and gift cards, money. Anyways, I would say C. Renardo Green has been pretty good, but outside of that, it's just been a lot of inconsistency. And then it just seems like for some reason they're not always on the same page. A lot of miscommunications. In the secondary, tackling issues. I mean, this isn't something that you can put all on defensive coordinator Adam Fuller. Um, some of it, it just comes down to these guys executing on the field. And, I, you know, it's been a little bit – I don't want to call it a sophomore slump, but Kevin Knowles and Amarin Cooper haven't been as good as we expected them to be. And I know they've both been a little bit dinged up at times, but we were expecting simply better play. And, I mean, the same thing, Jaron Jones has been here – for a while and and he's still making some mistakes greedy vance greedy vance um yeah az has been making progress malik feaster has been unable to get involved after that late grad transfer from jacksonville state so i frankly i expected more out of this unit at the beginning of the year and i always i made it a point that i thought cornerback depth could really be an issue for this defense, and it's perhaps been the biggest issue of the entire defense because those guys, they're just not on the same page um, a lot of the time for whatever reason, and we, we've seen it at its best these last couple of games while the defense has struggled in, in some really crucial scenarios. Isn't it wild two of your most highly – two of one of your most highly rated recruits coming in as defensive backs, Travis Jay and Demory Tate being on scout team? Doesn't yeah, that kind I mean, of stink? Doesn't that kind of stink? And now you're relying on true, two true freshmen, mainly just Azrae Thomas, Sam McCall, still learning and getting used to getting into the position more. But doesn't that just stink when you think about it that way? It's it's not ideal. And, I mean, you can't blame it on development because they've developed other younger players. I mean, these guys have – look at Sam McCall and, and, and Thomas, AT. These guys have gotten passed up in, in, on the depth chart at cornerback and – I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's just that's the way the game goes. Yep. And there's a question about how Sam doing. Lot, just still, I mean, I'm not going to be a, a playmaker this year for Florida State. It's going to be a year two type thing for him. But you definitely see the potential in him. And there will be a few flashes in practice throughout the week. But, you know, Azrae Thomas is just ahead of him right now. Really good. Sam McCall has really, really good ball skills. 
And I think it's just kind of figuring out, does he fit best as a cornerback or yeah. does he fit best as a safety? He kind of has a little bit of a tweener skill set, in my opinion, and that's just something that we're going to have to see right now. Florida State strictly playing him at cornerback for the most part, but I'd be interested, um, depending on the futures of Jamie Robinson and, and Akeem Dent, what Florida State, they're going to have to figure out some things at safety next year, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if McCall is a candidate to get a shot there. Speaking of safety room, let's jump in there to finish off our report cards. Jamie Robinson, Akeem Dent, Shaheem Brown, uh, go ahead and give me a – I'm going to go with a – Jamie, loved it. Shaheem Brown, I you know, I, I'm a big Shaheem Brown fan. Akeem Dent, more ups than downs. I'm going to go ahead and give this room – I'm going to give it an A-. minus. give this room – this one an A-. minus. Give it a solid B. Little, little disappointed um, with their production as far as coming into the season because Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent, two of the most experienced safeties in the conference, did a lot of good things last year. They've done some good things this year, but I just feel like they haven't impacted the game enough. There haven't been enough takeaways, enough big plays to to flip the field for Florida State that you would have expected out of this this tandem who. I mean, two of the very best safeties in the ACC and in the nation. They've done well, but I think you would have expected a little more. But the rise of Cheyenne Brown, I mean, that's definitely something that interests me. And, I mean, man, that guy's going to play a really big role next year on defense. So, yeah. Um, if, if Denton Robinson move on, which I think we're, we're both kind of expecting them to as of right now. So that wraps up the report card from the midway point of the 2022 season. I thought that was pretty fun. We're not going to grade out reflect. like the kicker and then the punter unit and the. What do you want to? What do you want to grade Ryan Fitzgerald so this can be clipped and put on Twitter? What do you want? What do you want to grade Ryan Fitzgerald? I mean, I would have had him at like a. Where are we at? I would have probably had him at like a D after the Wake Forest game, but then make making the kick against NC State. I mean, I don't think he's I don't think he's gotten an attempt since then. Made all his extra points. I don't think a kickoff has went out of bounds. I mean, I probably put him around a C minus. All right, I'll give him a C. I'll give him a C. Ryan uh, Mashamano. Me and Alex, give... the punter yeah. from down under. Um... <laughs> And that first, uh, probably C minus. <laughs> C C minus. I'm gonna give them a C. Both of them get C's for me. I'd give them. I'd give them maybe an A. Maybe an A if he without the penalty. <laughs> uh, that, that took off most of the points. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how about uh, let's go to Micah Pittman and the punt return game. I'm gonna go ahead and give him an A. No muff punts, nor – I mean, I, I've loved the returns he's gotten. That's an a, easy A for me for Micah Pittman. Do you remember what this unit looked like a year ago with yeah. Ontario Wilson and what I'm saying. Travis Jay and Keyshawn Heldon all splitting time back there at Pummer yes. Turner and muffing punts? And I think the longest punt that Florida State returned on the year was like eight or nine yards. I mean, it was terrible. And now you've had three straight games with a punt return over 30 yards. I know one of them was by Ontario Wilson on that trick play, which shout out to JP for that call. But the return unit night and day, 
compared to where it's been in recent years. You're not muffing punts. You're actually coming up in fair catching, so you're not losing 15 or 20 yards of field position from the ball bouncing. It's It's been a revelation. Mm. So what are you giving it, A? Uh, I think you've got to – yeah, I think you've got to go in the A. I thought an A plus was coming there for. If a there's a touch, point. if if he has a touchdown, we'll. Bump They're it like up. so close, aren't they? they as long as he close. doesn't muff it and he scores a touchdown, we'll bump it up. Yeah, Carroll's coming in here really nicely though, and reminding us that we're skipping over a few position groups. We forgot wide receivers yeah, and the quarterback. That, I don't know, but we forgot. Let's go through the wide receivers real quick. This room. Realize. Yeah, I didn't realize either. We're we're really dialing in here. This end up being an hour and a half podcast instead of an hour. Give me wide receiver room. Let's go with a, you know, those drops I hate definitely when they're crucial in the end zone. You know, still Johnny Wilson early on in the season had those. Also, that's a big wasn't against Louisville, though. Give me and give me, give me a, give me a good B, B, because compared to last year, that was a C minus to a D for me. Probably be a D last year. Let's say B B plus the drops prevent it from being up there at an A because they've been a little bit better than I expected coming to the year, especially Johnny Wilson. I mean, leading FSU in receiving right now. I know he's had some drops here and there, but I mean, for the most part, you know, everyone was kind of roasting him after the spring game where he wasn't able to get much done. And in the fall practice report, we had people scanning through to look if Johnny Wilson dropped a pass that day. He's really turned it around as of late and it feels like he's gained some confidence and he's made some really big plays for Florida state. And you got to look at it. You've had five different receivers lead you in receiving in a game this season, a lot of diversity for that Florida state offense. Some guys have stepped up Kentron Poiter, Darian Williamson, um, Deuce span. You know, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier in the show, a little disappointed with the output from Malik McLean so far but I mean he continues to get it done in practice so it feels like when his time comes in a game I know he had the drop against North Carolina State but I mean he's primed for a big performance at any time so I've got to go with a, a B plus right now okay all right and then we'll go to the quarterback room to really wrap this thing up Jordan Travis we've got to see Tate Rodemaker here too you got to throw that in there after we saw some playing time from him ended up having a game-winning drive down the field. <sighs> Jordan Travis starts off strong. Little ups and downs. I'm going to go ahead and give this room a B plus. It's almost on the verge of an A. Just, just the turnover turnovers. I think for me, for JT, is it. So I'll give B plus. I'll say A minus because I think Jordan Travis has really made some fantastic progressions and yeah he's had a couple turnovers over the last couple of games but that doesn't outweigh what he's done throughout the year and especially compared to where he was throughout his career I mean now you can look at it and say that Jordan Travis is a legitimate bona fide passer as a quarterback and I I don't think that any of us would have said that in 2019 when we watched him come out there against Boston College on the road and, and start just scrambling and we were like who the heck is this guy and I mean look at what he's turned into Four years later, the development there has been insane. And then it bumps up to me for Tate Rodemaker coming in and doing enough to lead Florida State to that comeback win in Louisville to secure a very important game for the team early in the season. Um, you know, we could be talking about a three and four football team right now, but instead Rodemaker went in there five of seven 
of his passes, two touchdowns in the second half and made it happen for Florida State on offense. Didn't make a mistake and, and got the win. So A minus. A minus. You're the only one, at least compared to the chat, that's giving them an A in this. That's fine. I can li- I can live with that. Live with it. Yeah. I mean, there's some things. There's some things definitely to work on throughout the rest of the season. There's a reason why there's a lot of practices and you get to go back and look at film and recover. So, you know, Florida State's got a big stretch of the season left. I mean, we already talked about it earlier in the podcast, upcoming games for Florida State. But, you know, they got a rivalry game in three weeks. Florida State is going to have to travel down to Miami. Florida State will face Georgia Tech next weekend here in Doak at noon. We get your first little taste of a noon game of the season. Excited. This should be should be a fun next couple of weeks for Florida State. There's some good chances and there's some high optimism that they can continue to make a run. I was just very pleased with what we saw in practice this week. This team is very well still dialed in and focused uh, on what's up ahead. So that uh, was really promising to see from my mm-hmm. end. There's no game that you can look at in these final five and be like, oh, Florida State is definitely going to lose that one. They're going to have a shot in all five of these. And, I mean, we'll see how the results end up. But you've got to be feeling very favorable. Miami, not as good as many thought in the preseason. Florida, Tuh. kind of the same Anybody with the there. fuck? Oh, sorry. How about well, just drop the Louisiana is, is Louisiana. Um, Syracuse, I still think that they're not for real, but I mean, we're about to find out cause they've got a heck of a stretch coming up. I know they beat North Carolina state without Devin Leary. Okay. It's not that impressive. Yeah, they've NC got state has a heck of a gauntlet. These final six games, Clemson this weekend, they've got wake forest coming up, Notre Dame, Florida state, Pittsburgh, and I believe North Carolina, it's a killer down the stretch for the orange. So we'll see that, that game's four weeks away. We'll see if they're still in the top 25 in four weeks when Florida State makes that trip up to New York. And then as for Georgia Tech, said it earlier, but looking a little bit tougher under interim head coach um, Brent Key, beat Pittsburgh, ranked Pittsburgh on the road, then was able to pull out a victory over Duke, who's looked a little bit tougher than expected in 2022. They're actually going to play tomorrow night against Virginia, who's looked worse than expected so far in 2022. That one's going to be in Atlanta. So, yeah, if if you guys – aren't watching Thursday night football tomorrow. And I don't know, I don't know who's playing tomorrow, but last couple games have been a travesty. Make sure to flip on that Georgia tech game and get an early look at FSU's next opponent. Yep. An early glimpse at the yellow jackets coming into town next weekend. We'll be there for full coverage as usual, as long uh, and also an instant reaction. That's not at 1230 in the morning. So that will be a nice change there, but yeah, uh, Florida state has a really good chance here. Uh, to go on decent run, in my opinion. You know, Georgia Tech's going to try to come in. They've got an interim head coach. You know, they, they can fight. They can they can fight for a good spot in the ACC, too, in their division, if you really do think about it, too. There's a lot that the Yellow Jackets are going to try to do to come in. But, you know, I, I think right now, at least Florida State, and having a couple guys back fully, fully healthy, Robert Scott, Jared Burst, you get Fabian Lovett back into the mix. Yeah, I, I do like the Seminoles early in this one when practice helped a lot watching that and, and seeing how they went through. Because last year, it was, it was really a, a downer, I will say, compared to this year. So, mm-hmm. um, Just don't sleep on them. 
Remember, Georgia Tech came in and beat Mike Norvell. His oh, first they know game real well. At Florida State, there's still plenty of players on both teams uh, that were there for that game. You know, Jeff Sims, former FSU quarterback, commits still over there at Georgia Tech. It looks like he's probably going to be the starter against Florida State. So I've, I would really hope that Florida State comes out kind of looking for revenge and just crushes them. But we'll see what happens. They've been fighting really hard under interim head coach Brent Kiev a former captain at Georgia Tech during his playing day. So they've kind of rallied around him right now. We'll, we'll see how long that can last. And also about Miami, if anybody had any kind of high expectations for Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes in his first season, make sure that you do go see a counselor and also find immediate medical attention for brain cells that you've lost because we will find them and help you out because – Please find help. Please find help. Um, them being ranked that high in the preseason was embarrassing. I don't know. Some people need to be. Some people need to be stripped away from their voting rights for that. But I'll keep that to myself and wait until we get close to Miami week, which is always fun when we preview that one. But first comes Georgia Tech. Thank you guys so much for hopping on here with us this evening. Appreciate everybody in the comments hanging out with us on this bye week. Hopefully give you a little bit of entertainment, but make sure you all get some relaxation. Enjoy college football this Saturday in NFL. Um, and then, yeah, as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, we would definitely appreciate it down below. If you hit that like button, it'll help get out to more Florida State fans and we'll bring more into the comments. So, uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys next week. We won't have an end reaction this week. This is going to be sad, Dustin. Enjoy your time off, man. I will enjoy my time not having to be on here with you. I will say, but I will miss Carol and a lot of our commenters on here. I will say that. I'm sorry. All right, everybody, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week at 8 p.m. on Wednesday. Peace. Mama told me, not to say a word. Mama said,